Well, welcome to Adventure. If you're visiting, I'm Scott. This is my wife, Melissa. And today we continue our series, Let Hope Rise. I want to begin just with a little fun. I've got a trivia question. I'm wondering if there's a mom in here, if she can help us answer. This is sitcoms for $100. Uh, and I want to begin with this one. It's it's identifying uh, three shows in the 1980s and 1990s. It's not for 100, I'm sorry. We're in the Lord's home. I shouldn't lie. Uh, it's identifying three sitcoms that helped introduce high-powered professional mothers to television in the late 1980s and early 1990s. Three, and they're, I'm sorry, they're not sitcoms. Um, maybe they are a little bit. So three shows in the 1980s and 1990s that helped introduce the high-powered professional mother to television in the late 1980s. I need three for this gift. Anybody? Yes. One more time. I love Lucy. No, she didn't make it. But you know what? I thought it was a great answer. You're getting the gift. I'm glad you're here in services. Great to see you. Anybody else want to try? Yes, Elizabeth. Yes, that's one of them. Would you go give Elizabeth sure. a gift? Sure, I'd be happy to. Where is she? One day at a time didn't make it. No. Two more. But you know, that was a good answer. Could you get her a gift? I thought that was a good answer. Yes. Thank you. Who's the boss? Yes, ma'am. All right, where am I going? So you're going to Leslie... Which is where? Right there. Oh, there you are. Okay, <laughs> and then you're going right here. She got who's what? the boss right. And there's one more. Yes. Give me some. Nice. Wow. Where did Two gifts mom? in the back. That wasn't easy. Two gifts in the back. Where, where? <laughs> you're welcome. Awesome. Give our hands. All right. You want to have a little more fun? More? Are you guys enjoying this? Yeah. I've got a little bit more. Okay, here about this. Who's the oldest woman to ever... Not who. What's the oldest age ever to deliver a child? Was that? Whoa. <laughs> I love the confidence. Way to raise hope. Pardon me? Nope. 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 88. I love that. That's a vision. Wait, if we count some of the patriarchs, we got to consider that. But yes. Nope. Nope, nope. <laughs> Next question. What's, it, the answer was 70. What's the, what's the heaviest child ever to be born? 22, that's it. 22 pounds. 22 in the back. 22. How you doing? How you doing with 22. Oh, can we, the last card. You got one? It almost makes me cry it's so hard. But who is the newest mother in the room? Because it's so Allison? hard. She deserves like a thousand dollar gift. Yeah! Card. It has to be you. Maybe it's an app to help your child sleep. It was an iTunes gift card. Awesome. So we're going we're gonna to continue our Let Hope Rise series today, and what we've been saying all month is this, if when hope rises, uh, anything's possible. And we believe that because Jesus said, with God, all things are possible. 
as we look at this passage this morning and talk about how you raise hope, we're going to look at it from a couple angles. We are going to talk today, the message really is for everyone in the room. How do we help raise hope for someone else? But every once in a while, we'll kind of make it mother-specific because that's how I get a chance to be up here and talk is because we're talking about moms. But um, the passage today is Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. Mark chapter 2, if you want to look at it on your phone, we're going to look at it on the screen. But it's a time when friends really tried to raise hope for someone that they cared about deeply. So here's the passage, Mark chapter 2. Verses 1 to 12. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard he'd come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. So folks are gathering around Jesus because he's bringing hope. Not even the the most intellectual skeptic would question his impact on the first century and the hope that he brought. And I think we need to remember, what we've learned even in recent American history, is that without hope, people really do, uh, dis- really do fall apart. Hope is a critical uh, component to your worldview. It's critical for your, your view of your, as it relates to work, as it relates to your health, as it relates to fitness, as it relates to your family life, your children as they get older. Having hope really does make the difference. It's why some folks walk with a little bit more stride in their step, a little bit more confidence. They have a faith, first comes faith, that yields a hope, a world perspective that there's hope. We need that. When we were in Israel this year, we saw exactly where in Capernaum Jesus was bringing hope in this narrative. This is a picture we took from the Sea of Galilee into Capernaum which was Jesus, really his new home. In fact, that's what the text said. He came home to Capernaum. And you know Capernaum because above it is this ridge, and then below is this valley. And that's the valley where Jesus typically walked through, traditionally, into Capernaum. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew it in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are are forgiven? Or to say, get up, take up your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view. So the whole point of this amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Because it was amazing. They had pursued hope for a friend and they had faith that it would happen. How do, this, this whole narrative is about winning the battle of impact. 
uh, there's a desire to bring hope to someone. And so the friends of this guy or acquaintances, maybe friends of this guy's father, come together to bring this guy hope, to make a difference. And I think that's what you're going to see here in this narrative is the real how, how you make an impact Mm -hmm. and how you really raise hope, not just in your uh, family and for yourself personally, but I think what really raises your well-being is raising hope in someone else's Mm -hmm. life. And we've gotten to see that uh, here at Adventure just in the last two weeks. I'll tell you, uh, I've been so impressed. At the senior project we had this last Thursday night when we um, evaluated 400 seniors who uh, served 30 hours apiece in Sacramento, Uh, we had 110 volunteers. Uh, We had 42 of them from Adventure serving and making an impact in our community. I was amazed. You back up a week and we partnered with other uh, Christ-centered Bible-teaching churches, and we loved the community of Natomas. I'll bet we had over 50 adventurers who jumped in and served on that Saturday morning. And we have had other groups serve in our city even, even preceding that and, and after. Very proud of how we're making an impact and raising hope. So the first step in raising hope for someone is to raise your expectations. Having the expectation that things can get better. Having the expectations that things can be better for someone. When Jesus saw their faith, they had faith. That's the, uh, faith is the Evidence of things hoped for and the certainty of things that you haven't seen yet. You believe it can happen. And that's the first step is to raise your expectations. But what typically happens is that people have these defeater beliefs. That could never happen. They could never do this. This could never get better. And when we do that, we are kind of refusing to believe that there is hope that things can get better. And um, we need to remember that there is a but God factor. God could do things that we might not believe are, well, God can do things that we can't do on our own. That's what we have to believe, is that God can help us do things that we can't do on our own. And this week I had a senior project. These kids have to, they do volunteer work. They give an in-class presentation and then they give a, a presentation on senior service night. So I had this one little girl a couple weeks ago bring me a note uh, from the doctor saying she has extreme anxiety, so she can't do this or she needs to do it in a, a, by herself. And my first response was to be like, ugh, you know, don't already say you can't do it. Right? So I didn't say that to the girl. That's just what I said inside my chest. Instead, I thought, let's raise her expectations. Let's get her to believe and think about what she can do not what she's already come believing she can't do. So I said, okay, here's the deal. I'm not going to make you present in front of the class because I'm I'm not going to do that, but I want you to think about trying to do that because when else will you get over this? When can you get better except for now and we can do things? You can present in front of the class and everybody can put their head on the desk. Or because we've done that before with another little girl several years ago. Uh, Or maybe you can say, ask everybody to be on their phones while you're talking. But just think about how we might, you laugh, but we've done that before too. (laughs) 
Because it helps for them to start somewhere. Right? You have to start somewhere. Raise hope just a little bit. So we decided step one was that she was going to just present in front of me with the goal of presenting in a small, smaller setting, but with other people on senior service night. So the day she was supposed to come to me at lunch, it's my prep period right before lunch. I go out and she's in the hallway, full on panic attack, hyperventilating. And at the time, I don't recognize, I don't make the connection that it's because she's about to come in my room and do this presentation. And so then I figure that out, and she's down to the nurse, and she's calming down. And I go down there to check on her, and she's like, I'm coming upstairs to do this. I just need a minute to pull it together. And this is a little girl that struggled all year and is finally pulling it together at the end of the year to get everything done she needs to get done. So she comes into my room. She does her presentation. We have our little uh, debrief where I say what she needs to work on, and she's pretty excited about trying to do it. So we put her in this room for senior service night, and at the end of the night, she comes to me, and we're, I'm greeting all of these people as their names are called, but she comes right up to me. She didn't want to wait, which was totally fine. She came to me, and she was so excited because she had presented in front of people. And she said, I, when I first started, I teared up just a little bit. And then I excused myself and went to the hall. And I just cried just a little bit just to get it out. And then I went back in and I did it and I was great. I did a wonderful job and I was like, this is how we do it. You raise expectations and some of you need to raise expectations for other people if it's your kids. Sometimes I think we speak, um, instead of speaking life over our kids, saying you can do this, you can do this. We spend too much time reminding them of what they're bad at or how they disappoint us or not that there's never a place for that but I always like makes me sad when I hear parents speaking death over their child well she's just a real ornery kid or he's so impatient now you might say that to someone else in the privacy of a conversation and you need help but don't say things about your children that you're speaking that over them you're like Almost, I don't want to say condemning, that sounds kind of hard, but you're scripting a life for them of defeat instead of raising the expectation. Here is where I know you can be kind, you can be disciplined, you can be this. Raise the expectation. And when it comes to people that you're trying to bring hope to, um, raise the expectation that you can love them. Because if we're thinking about people that need us to bring hope to them, typically, and I know this is a gross exaggeration, it might not be true, but a lot of those people might at first be difficult for us, right? They need hope. And so sometimes people who need hope are more draining to be around because they're kind of defeatist or things are going poorly. And they need hope and they need you to bring hope by loving them. And sometimes it can be difficult, As a teacher who has 190 kids come through my room every year, there are kids there. The ones that need the most hope are the ones that need the most love that are sometimes the most difficult to love. And I pray every year that God will help me love them. And guess what he does? He helps me love them 100% of the time. 
100% of the time, God answers that prayer that as I raise expectations for myself to love these kids, he comes through. And as you ask God to help you raise the expectation that you're going to bring hope and you're going to love difficult people, he will do it. Raise your expectations and remember, but God. God can give you the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you if you're a believer. And it can, he can give you the strength to love people and bring hope to people that need it. And these guys just knew if they get their friend to Jesus, just get them to Jesus, right. things could change. And what happened is they get him to Jesus and he hears the word of God for the first time. He receives forgiveness and he experiences his power. And really this is what we want Christ followers to be envisioning for all their wives and all their friends is bringing their friends to Christ. So that in the right setting, which we try to create here at Adventure, they're able to hear his word, experience his forgiveness, receive it, and, and experience his power. And if you've never done that, you'll have a chance to today to receive his forgiveness. And the second step, um, we raise hope. Um, Sorry, raise expectations. And then the next step is that we anticipate obstacles. Because we know anytime we're doing something that requires discipline, I mean requires, not discipline, requires uh, us to do something that's difficult, there are going to be things that happen that don't make it easy. Right? Like the the person that's difficult to love. But what's so cool about an obstacle is that it helps you get just a... You have a little more faith because you get through the obstacle, which gives you more faith to get through the next obstacle and the next obstacle. So you should expect them, and you should actually almost hope that they happen, especially for your kids. I know modern parenting kind of tries to remove all pain and all suffering and all obstacles for their children. We don't want them to do anything that's too hard. We don't want them to have to cry. We don't want them to have to. But at some point, there's going to be an obstacle. And do you want them to learn to move through the obstacles and get better at it when they're young? Or do you want to wait until they're 35 and they've never had a disappointment and now all of a sudden it's the real world? And you would be shocked how many kids it feels like they come in my room that don't even know how to solve a problem. Because their mother's been solving the problems for them all the time. And you don't do your kids any favors if you don't let them solve their own problems. Let your kids solve their problems. Let your kids endure an obstacle, like a difficult coach. They need to finish the whole season with a difficult coach. Because then the next coach won't be so difficult. And then they'll know they can do things that are hard. So expect obstacles and Help people that you love push through those obstacles. So one, we, we saw in American sports an example of someone, ex, someone really plowing through all the obstacles of criticism in his career in the last couple weeks. Check this Can't out. Can Tiger Woods compete with the Justin Thomases, Jordan Spieths, Dustin Johnsons? No, is the short answer. I mean, Trick, I get this question a lot. Do you think he'll return to his previous form? No. Do you think he stands a chance of being the Tiger Woods we once knew? No. No, no, no. Here's what's going to happen. 
He is not ever going to win another tournament. I don't think we'll ever see Tiger Woods win the golf tournament again. He's showing up at these tournaments and pretty much knowing that he's he's not going to be there. The short game is gone. His health is gone. The next press release Tiger Woods should release should be I'm retiring. I have considered him now for the last five, six years a former golfer. You're washed. Just give up while you're ahead. Retire with some dignity. Tiger Woods that we all knew. He will never, ever be that guy again. Many doubted we'd ever see it. But here it is. The return to glory. That may be the better moment right there for his mother, for him. He, he fought through the obstacles. He fought through the critics. And this, there were obstacles here for this, these friends of this paralytic getting him to Jesus. And I think what we don't see in the text, I think what the, what maybe, maybe what Mark intended to write but didn't make it in this narrative is, there's this gal out on the courtyard of the house telling her husband and his friends, you get him to Jesus. I don't care what it takes. Quit whining. And she's out there, if you don't do it, I'm going to do it myself. In fact, I'm going to climb up on that roof and I'm going to kick the ceiling tiles out and I'm going to drop my son on Jesus. Now you get to work. That's what the text actually said, but we never got to see it. That's the role you ladies play that I think is genuinely so special. Genuinely so special is your ability to challenge, challenge and push. And uh, that's what you do. This is what happened. They increased contact. They made an opening in the roof above and then they lowered the mat the man was lying on. I want you to hear a story from an adventurer who's like that mom I just tried to copy. Brenda Faria. Hi, my name is Brenda Faria. My story begins in 1976 with my second child. While I was uh, six months pregnant, my baby did a flip-flop inside me and we didn't know until he was prematurely born that he had a stroke. Six months checkup, he still was not doing what he should do. Doctor told me I had a healthy baby, started to walk out of the room and I told him to wait a minute and pointed out all the things he was not doing that I knew he should be doing. And I had five people come to my house within a day and they started looking my son over and testing what he could and couldn't do. And then they set up for him to have a brain scan. And so we did the uh, MRI and found out that the left side of his brain is damaged. He has cerebral palsy. They told us at that time when we went in to see the doctor, my husband had a hard time accepting it. It's his son. 
We went into the doctor, and the doctor confirmed what I had told him he said, and I said that he would not walk. If he talked, we may have to learn sign languages because the side of the brain that was damaged is his speech, and his right side would never fully develop, and he may never be able to use his right leg or his right hand. I had him in infant development program that they have out there for children, and I have had him in the uh, toddler group program, and the speech therapist one day pulled me into another room, and she says, how do you say all? And I said it, and she says, that's where he gets it from. Where are you from? And I said, I'm from the South. <laughs> so she says, we picked up on he's saying words that are not the proper way to say them. So, but now we know, we realize it's from his mother. <laughs> Chris is now 40, 43 years old. He can walk. He's ran Special Olympics. He won the uh, Athlete of the Year Award at Sacramento State one year. He ran the 880 and they said he couldn't walk. We got him walking, we've gotten him talking sometimes. Maybe he talks too much like his mother, but you know, Chris has lived the ups and downs with people calling him names and being mistreated in school, but like I've told him, there's a reason God has you in here and the teachers and God and I know that you belong here on this earth and you're going to let them know you're not gonna give in to their business. And He's done it. I just love it for it. <laughs> Don't give up. Don't give up hope. There's always hope out there, and God has always got your back. As long as you keep trying and, and keep praying, you know, God will hear your cries, and you'll have many a nights you cry, but God is always there to pick you up and tell you, keep pushing. Our God is the God of all hope, mm -hmm. is what Jesus' most uh, effective worker in the first century, Paul said. Our God is the God of all hope. And uh, what I'd like to do for you moms is, uh, and, and women is to pray for you this morning that you experience his hope today. Can I do that? Heavenly Father, thank you for all of the ladies in here, the ones in our lives the ones that are um, experiencing great joy this morning, and the ones that are experiencing loss or uh, loneliness. Father, I just pray you would pour your hope into their hearts. Abundant grace, overabundant grace and hope and peace that they would understand what a treasure they are because they sometimes are the real fighters in the background that are fighting for their children, that are fighting for their grandchildren, that are fighting for their mentees and their nieces and nephews. Thank you for their fight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.